0: Are drugs decriminalized? We have not taken
1: this decision lightly. This time-limited exemption is the first of its kind in Canada. New rules that no longer treat users like criminals.
2: A relic of BC's racist past.
3: We thought that these restrictive covenants were removed.
2: The offensive language that lives on in some land title documents and why it's never been removed.
1: And a sneaker sale goes sideways. Shocking video of a trusting seller bear sprayed by thieves.
4: You guys are on camera! You're on camera!
2: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, and thanks for joining us. We start with a major drug policy shift six years after the province first declared the overdose crisis a public health emergency.
1: Today, B.C. has been granted an exemption from the federal government to decriminalize personal possession of hard drugs. Richard Zussman has more on the first-of-its-kind exemption here in Canada.
5: A long time coming. Today,
0: I'm here to announce... That i will be granting british columbia's exemption request
5: the federal government accepting bc's request to decriminalize personal possession of hard drugs it will include opioids cocaine methamphetamines and mdma up to 2.5 grams short of the 4.5 grams bc asked for 85 percent of the the drugs
0: that have been confiscated have been under two grams and so we, we um, are moving with that.
4: This announcement does do, uh, you know, starts probably the process of healing, but there's a lot of work to be done to, to repair the damage.
5: The exemption covers adults only, and only within British Columbia. Drug possession is still criminalized at schools, child cares, and airports. The change does not come into effect until January 31st of next year, and lasts for three years.
0: Decriminalization is not legalization. Decriminalization removes criminal sanctions for possession of small amounts of of illicit drugs for personal use. Drug trafficking remains illegal.
4: I would have hoped it would have been immediately, for sure. um, Effective immediately, because obviously, you know, you look around us, um, you, you know... People are dying at an alarming rate. The
5: eight-month delay will give police time to train and allow the province to establish benchmarks for success. Nearly 9,400 people have died from illicit drug deaths in British Columbia since 2016, the same year a provincial health emergency was
6: declared. This is a a philosophical approach that supports people um, who are using drugs in meeting them where they are, trying not to get them into a cycle that causes more harm.
5: Once the new law is in place, police officers will provide information on available health and social supports rather than arrest or confiscate drugs. The province also working to fund those supports so they're available when needed. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Let's bring in Keith Baldry for more on this story. Keith, we've been talking about this opioid crisis for years now, and it's not getting better. Uh, You have a look at some new data on who is dying and where.
7: Yeah, again, it's a depressing statistics uh, in any number of categories that we get every month from the coroner's service here in B.C. The numbers really don't change all that much. But here's some data for the first three months of this year, January 1st to March 31st, 548 people uh, died from overdose deaths. 38 percent of deaths are now among those aged 50 or older, and that is on the increase. Older people are dying more than younger people. Uh, 60 percent of deaths occurred, 80 percent of deaths occurred in private residences, and most deaths were in Vancouver, Surrey. Victoria and Abbotsford. But the list doesn't end there, Sophie. I just went through the data again. Fifteen communities around B.C. have had ten or more people die of an overdose death uh, from an illicit drug overdose in the first three months of this year. This is not a problem that's confined to the downtown east side. It's in every community, and it's affecting people in all walks of life and in all age groups as well. But it's interesting that people, older people now seem to be dying at a higher rate than younger people. The only good news to take away from anything I've seen t- today, uh, the numbers for the first three months in terms of deaths, were actually lower than the first three months last year. But it's still at a very high number. And I have a feeling the next reporting period will come in with a high number again.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Keith Baldry and Victoria.
2: An investigation of potential criminal behavior is possible after Global News exposed allegations of obscene actions at a police training course. An investigation is already underway by the police watchdog and because of the number of agencies involved, an out-of-province investigator will likely be brought in. Catherine Urquhart reports, depending on the outcome of that, there could also be a criminal investigation.
0: Disturbing allegations about what occurred during a recent BC Municipal Undercover Training Course have prompted an investigation by the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner, And according to B.C. Solicitor General, it's possible there could even be a criminal investigation.
2: They will have the ability to fully investigate what's taken place. Uh, And obviously, um, you know, if during the course of their investigation, something was found that was of a criminal nature, then, uh, you know, uh, the, the criminal process would flow from there.
0: A Global News investigation found that during the undercover training course at a Vancouver hotel, officers were asked to role-play and show how they might convince someone on the wrong side of the law they weren't police officers. This allegedly included an officer defecating on another person, using food in a sexual manner, and more extreme acts. Global News contacted the policing agencies that had officers enrolled in the course. Their responses were similar they won't be commenting as long as the investigation is underway. News of the allegations is prompting questions about how the training could impact court cases. When police officers are not following proper training procedures in conducting undercover work, when they're not properly trained, this raises greater concerns that there is an abusive process or that there's shocking conduct on the part of undercover agents that has led to the discovery of evidence. Approximately 24 officers attended the undercover course and nine are believed to be under investigation. The OPCC has indicated that an agency outside the province will be conducting the investigation. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: Quite a scare for residents of a Coquitlam neighbourhood this afternoon. At around noon, RCMP responded to reports of shots fired in a wooded area in the 1900 block of Lodge Drive near Shaughnessy Street. One person was taken into custody, but police are saying very little about what happened other than there is no risk to the public. A witness told Global News he heard one shot, then another then six more in an area where he saw a couple arguing. The nearby Coquitlam River Elementary was placed on hold and secure for about 10 to 15 minutes before RCMP gave the all clear.
2: The father of a 19-year-old murder victim is speaking out tonight, hoping his decision to bring his family to Canada 10 years ago wasn't a mistake. As Chris Dow reports, he's mourning the violent death of his young son, who was just beginning to enjoy the benefits of their new life here?
6: <laughs> a voice message immortalized for the Fazel family. It's both comforting and heartbreaking.
8: To officers, come and say I'm sorry? Your son is possibly.
6: Nazir Fazel remembering his son Nasib as a kind and generous person. The young man just starting a new job and going to school for business. Someone they say was gentle to the core.
8: He was so young for this stuff. And he's such a nice boy, beautiful. In my language, we call him Narmak,
6: (laughs) which is very soft. The family arrived in Canada 10 years ago, having fled Afghanistan and the Taliban. Nazir says they chose this country because they believed it was safe.
8: One question they told me, "You happy to go?" You say, "I said, I want to go Canada because Canada more humanity, more peace, more safety for children."
6: Last Monday, Nassib, who just celebrated his 19th birthday, was fatally stabbed outside the Gallery Vancouver nightclub. I believe God
8: wanted to take him because he was really pure for these people. He stabbed other boys also, and that he just jumped to save his life.
6: His family believes he was innocent, jumping in to help the injured. Police wouldn't confirm that, but say a 24-year-old has been arrested. No
9: charges have been laid. Um, we're obviously still investigating, and we need anyone with information. If that leads to somebody else uh, being a suspect, then, then the investigation will reveal that. For He's me, sad. my blood will get cool, when we get the right just... This was last, last year
8: birthday. It was celebrate
6: eat. For now, the family clinging on to old photographs and video, waiting for the truth in hopes it will help heal a heavy heart.
8: I'm waiting for justice, and then I was blamed to myself. I was right or wrong to bring my kids here. I, I was uh, feel guilty myself because why I moved Canada.
6: Krista Dow, Global News.
1: The man wanted for the alleged abduction of his daughter on Vancouver Island has been arrested. RCMP say 36-year-old Jesse Bennett was taken into custody without incident during a routine traffic stop in Shonigan Lake on May 24th. His seven-year-old daughter was allegedly abducted in late January. She was dropped off unharmed at the North Cowichan RCMP detachment April 20th. The girl's mother claimed her daughter was taken because the father didn't want her in school if she had to wear a mask during COVID.
2: Facing a hostile crowd and multiple calls for his resignation, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum cut Monday night's city council meeting short just minutes after it began. As Amatagahi reports, the growing calls for McCallum to step down follow a string of Global BC News reports about the criminal charge the mayor is now facing. I demand that you do the right
10: thing, uphold the integrity of the office, and take leave of your duties.
11: This was the moment it became clear that no constructive meeting would be possible under these circumstances. On Monday night, after being asked to step down twice to begin a city council meeting, until the court decides your fate, and heckled by a room full of people,
1: the audience, please.
11: Surrey's mayor, Doug McCallum, called for recess. That meeting was later cancelled altogether.
0: It was an absolutely chaotic event. It's been a huge distraction for all of council and for the residents of Surrey.
12: Any elected official who is criminally charged for lying to the police needs to really reevaluate what they're doing here. This office is not for the individual, it is for the public.
4: They asked me if I wanted to lay charges and I said yes. The
11: calls for McCallum to step down as police board chair and mayor come as he faces a criminal charge for public mischief.
5: I think he should go. He should step down.
13: Yeah,
11: to settle his things first, right? Last September, McCallum claimed a woman had driven her car over his foot during a confrontation in a Save-On-Foods parking lot. This month, Global News revealed contents of court documents showing part of the mayor's statement about being hit by a car contradicts video surveillance.
8: You messed up, bro. You messed up. He shouldn't be mayor, so if he was doing the right thing and responsible, he'd step down.
14: It is challenging because our second largest city is unable to conduct its business because of that disruption and confusion. The the council does have the opportunity, I believe, to be able to remove any of their members, including the mayor.
11: The next city council meeting is Wednesday, and It is unclear if that meeting will see a repeat of what happened.
0: I'm embarrassed that um, that's what Surrey has resorted to. And a lot of that lies
15: at the feet of the mayor. It's right across
11: here. Through his office, spokesperson McCallum refused an interview or comment. Meanwhile, McCallum's court case isn't set to begin until October 31st, two weeks after the municipal election.
16: He's not getting my vote. I've already made that decision. Emadagahi, Global News.
1: A Savanaugh man who was left with life-altering injuries in a brutal attack has returned home for the first time in six years. Jesse Simpson suffered severe brain injuries when he was beaten with a baseball bat back in June of 2016. He was 18 years old at the time. He now lives in an assisted living facility in Kamloops but has recovered enough to spend weekends at home. What do you think, Jesse,
8: you're home? Frank and I couldn't ask for anything better seeing seeing family, seeing a beautiful lady, my best friend. My week has been fantastic. I couldn't ask for more beautiful mother he got here and he was just so happy with his friends and was hugging me and yeah he goes, Can I yell? I'm like, Yes, yeah, I'll be happy, right? I like you. I love you. I couldn't ask to see more of you. Yeah, do you know what you said to me yesterday morning when you woke up? What? Good morning, Mom, I'm home. And you had a big
1: your oh, welcome home, Jesse. Jesse's mom has done extensive renovations and retrofits to the house to make it possible for him to come home on the weekends, including turning her living room into Jesse's room.
2: A Port Moody man was pepper sprayed in his front yard during a transaction arranged through Facebook Marketplace. Port Moody police are warning others after two suspects showed up at the victim's home to purchase a pair of collector sneakers. As Kamal Karamali shows us, what happened next was all captured by a doorbell security camera. A sneaker sale
17: gone wrong. The would-be buyers blast pepper spray. You guys are on camera! You're on camera! All of it caught on camera. So they rang the doorbell and then they stood back over there. Robert Randall was selling a pair of sneakers for his teenage son. My son has this as a hobby, as a little budding
14: businessman.
17: He even has a similar pair to the ones that were stolen.
14: It's a, uh, a white Air Jordan 4 retro Oreo.
17: Worth hundreds.
14: He was planning to sell them for $500.
17: His son posted the sneakers on Facebook Marketplace, where social media users can buy and sell goods. But these thieves decided a message about the shoes privately.
14: Where they were uh, more easily able to set up a fake account. And that's what they did.
17: Monday, just after 2 p.m., they rang the doorbell, stepping away from the entrance, likely planning a quick escape. A few minutes later, Randall took out the receipt to show the shoes' authenticity. When
14: I got in my ear, took a big whiff of it, and it just stunned the hell out of me. And I kind of, you know, went backwards and as they took off the other way.
17: Now police looking for two suspects. Definitely we're looking for, you know, looking at the investigating the offense of robbery at this point, um, which is
14: a very serious offense and can carry jail time, um, you know, and potentially possession of
17: a, a dangerous weapon. While this father hopes his son keeps pounding the pavement.
14: I told my son I'd be disappointed in him if he let this stop him from selling shoes.
17: And a warning from police to look out for possible criminal behavior, like messaging about goods privately from a burner account. Because if the shoe fits, they'll likely wear it. Kamal Karamali, Global News.
1: Colonial racism in the British properties, the offensive language that still exists on land titles in this West Vancouver neighborhood, and the homeowner working to have it removed. Next on the News Hour:
2: The passing of Joe Siegel and what the noted retailer, developer, and philanthropist gave to B.C. later.
1: Also tonight, the rise of a local movie maker, the film that started it all, and the passion that keeps him going.
2: Right now, though, a West Vancouver homeowner is ramping up the battle to remove racist language from a legal document.
1: As Erin MacArthur reports, a covenant on her property and on many others contains a restriction that's an ugly echo of a
16: racist past. The upper slopes of West Vancouver, known for the million-dollar views and its racist past. The British properties, marketed to white settlers in the 1930s, The land titles specifically excluding certain people from buying or even living in these homes.
3: No one of Asiatic or African descent was able to reside on the property, unless they were a servant.
16: Michelle Tong had known about the covenant on her home, but was stunned to learn, despite it not being in force for almost 50 years, she still had to submit it in order to get a permit for renovations.
3: We're talking about embracing diversity, being inclusive. If we cannot even do step one of removing hateful language, hateful speech on legal documents, where else do we start?
16: Two years have passed since this issue was first brought to West Vancouver Council. Monday night, staff said the problem was too big for one municipality. It could cost upwards of a million dollars to pull all the titles in West Van alone.
10: We have a very finite amount of money in in the district, so to waste that, as it were, on manually going through the files would not be the most effective use of uh, resources.
3: Truly, if they really wanted to say that they are making um, change, is asked the British Pacific Properties to clean up their social toxic waste.
16: British Pacific Properties issued a statement saying it agrees with the direction West Vancouver is taking. The company is proactively identifying all the properties developed and sold that still have restrictive covenants to share with the Land Title Office. Racist language exists on titles across B.C. The Land Title Office will strike the offensive text for free, but the cost to search and pull each document hasn't been waived in the past. There is a bigger problem. The language can't be deleted. The BC government needs to pass new legislation.
13: It's definitely something that we're looking at because this is just, you know, it's it's appalling.
16: Tung says this has gone on long enough. Hoping pressure on all levels of government will finally remove the stain from the title of her home. Erin MacArthur, Global News.
1: Just ahead, clues to the cause of a fatal fire
18: and we just heard a bang, like a loud explosion.
1: What's next for North Vancouver residents
2: who lost their homes? And it's no ordinary mushroom farm. Why the crop that comes out of here, this Okanagan facility, is being studied by health experts.
0: A tow truck is on scene to a stalled vehicle here at the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge, southbound at Midspan in the right lane. Traffic is backed up solid from Mountain Highway on the approach. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Ironworkers
1: Memorial Bridge.
2: Sadly, one person has been killed in a fire at a North Vancouver housing complex.
1: As Grace Key reports, it's also forced close to 70 people, many of them elderly or disabled, to find another place to sleep tonight.
3: A fire at a North Vancouver apartment complex for seniors has taken the life of one person and displaced about 70 more. Residents say they heard a loud explosion at about 6 in the morning. The patio window door on the floor above me exploded from the fire that's the first thing that we heard
18: we just heard a bang like a loud explosion and then i went outside took one look up and saw flames and then i was like okay we're out of here and i booked it
1: everybody was banging on each other's doors alerting them fire this is not a trick it's real and trying to make sure everybody was out.
3: The fire took place at Silverlin apartment on East 27th Street and Creslin Drive in Lynn Valley. First responders worked to evacuate the building that housed many with mobility issues. The
18: fire alarm is right outside my door, and uh,
8: I hesitated because it's never been a real fire before, and the firemen knocked on my door and told me to get out
3: residents say the fire alarm did go off the older wood structure building was a concern for firefighters
7: an older building wood structure uh, we have to get on this pretty quickly um, siding wood siding I can really go quickly it was very volatile to start uh, so we needed to get in there really quick and get it done, and the crews got here really quick, put out the fire on the outside, and then we were, allowed, we were allowed, able to go inside.
3: An investigation is now underway to determine the cause of the fire. We are conducting an investigation
10: now at this point, as we do in these situations, to determine if there was any criminality involved in this fire. At this point, we have no answers as to the cause of this fire, but in the coming days and weeks, uh, we hope to have those answers.
3: Emergency support services are now being offered to residents as they await word on the status of the building. Grace Key, Global News.
2: Princeton in the Similkameen is now home to the largest mushroom research and development facility in Canada. It opened last week and it will be producing magic mushrooms for clinical trials examining their vast potential to treat mental health issues. Global's Taya Fast has more.
9: Magic mushrooms are now growing in Princeton as a new mushroom research and development facility opened on Friday.
4: We want to ramp this to full capacity. We want to make sure we can get psilocybin medication to anybody in the world that needs it.
9: Optima Health Corporation grows psilocybin-producing mushrooms and functional mushrooms for clinical trials, drug companies, and medical facilities.
4: We have one of the largest genetic banks in the world right now, and uh, definitely in the country. It's not available for recreation. It's not available to the general public yet. Who knows what the future holds?
9: Health Canada recently launched a program that allows physicians to request government approval for patients to access the psychedelic compound that comes from magic mushrooms.
4: It can treat, potentially treat depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, behavioral issues. There's, there's tons of clinical trials going on.
9: The company hopes to change lives and end the stigma that surrounds the use of psychedelic mushrooms.
4: Psilocybin has the potential to deal with and replace a lot of these synthetic medications that are out there. Just don't be afraid of natural medicine. It was the way of our people for, you know, a thousand years. Why, why is it such a stigma now?
9: OptiMy Health says they are the largest GMP-grade licensed facility in Canada. The building has 10 different growing rooms that are heavily monitored.
4: The quality of materials put in, we've gone far and beyond uh, hospital-grade. So we really are a level above what a surgery operating room would be, and we have 100% control. That's what makes it different, is we can control the environment 100%. We can repeat it, and we can take all those analytics to help grow, and whether it's yield, purity levels, but do amazing things with these mushrooms.
9: The first growth of psilocybin mushrooms has already been completed and sold to a company in Nova Scotia. Taya Global News, Princeton.
1: A dog recovering from gunshot wounds has won the hearts of the staff at the Kelowna SPCA. A warning, though, the injuries in our next story are severe. This is Rose, a two-year-old German Shepherd mix. She and her brother were abandoned by their owner when he was evicted from a property in Beaverdale. When she was found, Rose was suffering from multiple gunshot wounds. She was rushed to a veterinarian and is, and is now on pain medication and requires 24-hour care. But the SPCA is hopeful Rose will make a full recovery and will be available for adoption.
2: Glad she's getting good help. Just ahead, the legacy of business legend, Joe Siegel. It would always help. The lifetime of wealth and generosity remembering one of B.C.'s greatest philanthropists.
1: And short change, the new report showing grandparents never got the child disability payments they were entitled to.
0: Traffic is steady over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge in both directions with just a little bit of leftover volume eastbound on the connector through Richmond. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $70 million, plus an estimated 33 max millions. Lotto Max dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewis, and in Global One, at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
1: In Uvalde, Texas, the funerals for the children killed in the mass shooting there have begun. Friends and loved ones said their final goodbyes to two 10-year-old girls who were killed in their classroom one week ago.
2: Now there are calls for that school to be demolished as lawmakers on Capitol Hill work on gun control legislation. Global's Jennifer Johnson has the latest.
13: More pain and mourning in Uvalde as the first of 21 funerals are held for two schoolchildren killed in last week's mass shooting. Ten-year-old Amari Jo Garza was shot to death while trying to call 911 from her classroom. Maté Rodriguez was an honor roll student who dreamed of becoming a marine biologist. She
3: didn't deserve it, but I just know in that moment she was brave. She was telling people where to hide.
13: As family members lay their children to rest, Uvalde's police chief, who stopped officers from going into the classroom for 47 minutes last week, was supposed to be sworn in as a new city council member. That was canceled. But a push to tear down the school is gaining support.
4: I would never ask, expect a child to have to ever walk in those doors, ever Ever again.
13: On Capitol Hill, senators met to seek middle ground on new gun control legislation, including stricter background checks. John Cornyn is the Republican senator from Texas. Chris Murphy, a Democrat, represents Connecticut, where 26 people, most of them children, were killed at Sandy Hook in
4: 2012 to more mass shooting aftermaths than I think any president American history, unfortunately.
13: At the White House, President Joe Biden met with New Zealand's prime minister, who put into effect sweeping gun reforms after the deadly 2019 shootings in Christchurch. But in Texas, there will only be more funerals for now, including for teacher Ava Morales, who died trying to protect her schoolchildren. Her sister had to pick out the dress Ava will be buried in. That was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. I never in my
19: dreams thought that, that my sister was not going to make it.
13: A heartache shared by so many in this small community. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington.
2: Well-known Vancouver philanthropist, billionaire, and Second World War veteran Joe Siegel has passed away.
1: Siegel was one of Vancouver's most successful and respected businessmen. He founded the Fields chain of discount department stores and served for a time as the chairman of Zeller's before founding Kingswood Capital, his real estate investment firm, in 1979. He and his family have given millions and millions of dollars to various causes, including a $12 million donation to help build the Siegel Family Health Centre at VGH. VGH. He was also a major donor to Variety, the children's charity. Siegel was awarded both the Order of BC and the Order of Canada for his philanthropic work.
12: Joe would be helpful to just about any charity that certainly would want to help themselves. He just wasn't quick to write a check, although he wrote millions and millions and millions of dollars with the checks. But he expected you, as the organizer of the charity in question, to come forward with some ideas, with some uh, thoughts as to what he could do to help you to broaden the reach of your particular charity. And he will be the first guy to write a check as well.
1: Siegel is survived by his wife, Rosalie, four children and numerous grandchildren and great grandchildren. Joe Siegel was 97 years old.
2: Another black mark on the spotty record of B.C.'s Children and Family Development Ministry in a new report from the province's ombudsperson. As Kylie Stanton shows us, the report says Victoria failed to pass along thousands of dollars in benefits to a family caring for its special needs granddaughter. A provincial government mistake costing
19: one family thousands of dollars is finally coming to light.
16: We
7: investigated
16: uh, what happened to a family that we call the Taylors, whose benefit was paid to, not to them, but to the province, uh, and uh, was not forwarded on to them.
19: A new report from the BC Ombudsperson titled Short Changed found the Ministry of Children and Family Development failed to pass along federal disability benefits to the grandparents who were caring for their special needs Indigenous granddaughter.
16: We can only imagine uh, when raising a, a child living with disabilities that every penny counts.
19: According to the report, the tailors were receiving monthly assistance from the province amounting to just over $1,000. But the federal child disability benefit of $242 a month was never paid out and instead pocketed by the province, despite their granddaughter being eligible. That amounts to more than $7,000 in the two years since the province first became aware of this situation. It's like stealing money from babies. is bad public policy. It's bad economic policy. And it has terrible results for these families. Back in 2019, the province agreed the Taylor's inability to access the benefit was problematic. But despite telling the family it was a high-priority item, it said it will require appropriate consultation, reviews, and approvals prior to being enacted. Who do you need to consult? You know that child is eligible. You know who's caring for the child. Just send the check. Now, the Taylors and many other families will be receiving what they are owed. Recommendations coming out of the report include MCFD providing ongoing funding, equivalent to the Child Disability Benefit, to all eligible caregivers, that it make retroactive payments to affected families, assist, including by way of financial assistance, delegated Aboriginal agencies that have been using the same funding practices for caregivers, and report to the Ombudsperson on the progress. We've already implemented the recommendations, and so funds have already flowed through to families, including retroactively. The ombudsperson is pleased to see the province moving forward, but will continue to monitor the issue. Kylie Stanton, Global
1: News. Coming up, art is life for a local filmmaker. His breakout film and the hits that keep on coming. I think...
2: And coming up in sports, Canada soccer gets a game at BC Place this weekend, after all.
1: All right, Christy is here now uh, with some warmer temperatures. Potentially the warmest day of the year so far uh, is in our forecast.
15: That's right. Tomorrow is going to be a scorcher compared to what we've had over the last couple of months. Now, Sophie, we hit uh, low 20s away from the water today, but at the airport, 17 degrees. And that's actually quite exceptional because it's only fourth time so far this year that we've hit 17 at the airport. And typically by June 1st, we looking at the sort of data from the last 10 years, we would have 21 days. So it's been a tough go so far. April, May. I want to show you the temperatures you can expect tomorrow, though. So we are talking about a low of 12 degrees in the morning, but rebounding to 21 degrees near the water tomorrow. In areas away from the water, we're talking about 26 degrees with human X values of 28. So it's going to feel hot. Now, if you're worried about the flood scenario because of this heat, you don't have to. What we need is prolonged heat, five days of that to really accelerate that snow melt. So this heat is just to enjoy and not going to accelerate things too much. Uh, We had a number of thunderstorms in the interior today. Look at this photo coming out of Kamloops downpours of rain and hail flash floods according to Denise so thanks for sharing that uh, photo with us yeah so uh, thunderstorms today things are going to be a a little unsettled again tomorrow we are going to see dry conditions in the morning but a risk of thunderstorms mainly north of Kamloops tomorrow afternoon showers though for Vancouver Island by the afternoon although Metro Vancouver will be mostly dry but we continue with this surge of warmth so uh, mid-20s in the interior tomorrow we're talking about up to 26 degrees away from the water for our region human x values of 28 thursday a little bit cooler more cloud cover and a chance of showers friday certainly looking wet and it is going to remain cool and unsettled over the weekend so enjoy the heat tomorrow it is certainly going to feel nice tonight's central windows weather window coming to you tonight from smithers thank you to uh, lillian for that great shot apparently this is the hudson's bay Mountain
2: beautiful.
1: Thank you, Christy.
2: Love it. All right, we're going to bring Squire in now for a look ahead to sports and more crazy NHL playoff hockey.
18: Well, if you're a younger fan and your father or maybe grandfather told you about hockey in the 80s when there were lots of goals, it seemed like the forwards and defensemen were way ahead of the goalies. We are seeing that in the first game of the Oilers Avalanche Series. The forwards and the defensemen are way ahead of the goalies, and it's 80s hockey. Also, Uh, Canada will play Sunday at BC Place in a men's soccer game. Panama is going to come up here and play.
2: We look forward to hearing more about that. Also tonight, he's come a long way since videotaping his skateboarding buddies. The BC filmmaker following up hit after hit.
1: was wondering why uh, our assignment editor was blasting Panama in the newsroom today, and now I know why.
18: <laughs> Aside from the fact that it's a really it's a good, good song, team. It's an excellent yeah. song, but yeah. it fits what I'm about to tell you. Um, Canada's men's soccer team will play a game, 4 o'clock, at BC Place this Sunday against Panama. They agreed to step in and replace Iran when that game against Canada was can- cancelled, so... I'm sure Canada would have loved to have gotten a higher-ranked team than Panama and somebody outside their region, but that just wasn't going to happen on short notice. Although Panama will give Canada a better game than Curacao, the team Canada will play next week, also at BC Place. Now, Canada played Panama, which is ranked 61st in the world twice in the World Cup qualifying. That included... One of the games included this incredible goal from Alfonso Davies. Canada won this game 4 1. They lost to Panama 1 0, but that was after Canada had clinched the World Cup spot. Panama actually got off to a good start in the qualifying tournament before fading at the end. The Canadians will have all their main guys for this game. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at $30 for the lower bowl seats. Mike Smith has hair like the Undertaker for wrestling, and soon he'll be buried by the Colorado Avalanche. Okay, first goal of the game, it's Evander Kane. Kane and Nugent Hopkins, a couple of local guys from around here helping the team from Alberta take a one-nothing lead. But 36 seconds after that goal, JT Comfort ties at one-one. Nathan McKinnon. This is McKinnon against McDavid for a lot of people. Here goes McKinnon, speed, goal. Two-one. But wait, now it's McDavid and Dreisaitl, and back to Dry Dreisaitl, and over to Zach Hyman, and it's 2-2 with only 22 seconds left in the first period. But there's still time for Colorado to score again. Nine seconds later, Kale McCarr, no Mike Smith. You must stop that.
4: 3-2.
18: Colorado starts the second period on a power play because they challenged that goal for offside and the challenge didn't work. So Nazem Kadri makes it 4-2. It's now 5-3 when Kale McCarr who grew up a Flames fan, was probably upset the Oilers knocked him out. His shot tipped in by Comp for a gain. That's it for Mike Smith. And we're not even halfway through the game at that point. And Nico Koskinen is in, and it's 6-3 Colorado in the second period. Kamloops Blazers have a chance to make the Western Hockey League finals against a team from Edmonton, the Edmonton Oil Kings. All they have to do is beat Seattle in game seven tonight. The Blazers will play at home, so that'll help. Camelot's net miner Dylan Garand also thinks if the Blazers can shake loose from the Thunderbirds checking and speed up the game, that will also help in a big way. You know, we like to think we're a faster team than they are, so I think, you know, in those three wins it really showed, uh, you know, the way we play, to especially to the neutral zone and the offense zone. We just play fast and, you know, buzz in the O zone, and, you know, a big thing for us is the shots on net, and, um, you know, in a couple wins, we had, you know, a good shooting mentality and... Uh, a lot of chances around the net and stuff like that, so uh, I think we just got to keep that up and, you know, like I said, give it our best. Rugby Canada says that next year's sevens tournament at BC Place will include both men's and women's teams, and instead of being a two-day event, it's going to be a three-day event from March 3rd to the 5th. That means there won't be a women's tournament in Langford in 2023 after hosting them since 2015, but Langford is still the home of Rugby Canada. Okay, quarterfinals and... They're not playing. This little piggy goes home. This is agony of defeat for Layla Annie Fernandez. She had to play with a bad right foot and that affected her against Martina Trevisan of Italy. Trevisan won the first set 6-2, but we all know that Fernandez can tough it out and she did in the second set despite the bad foot. So to the third set, but now you can see if you watch this match that the foot was starting to bother Fernandez again, so she is out of the French Open despite giving it a a valiant effort. Later on at Roland Garros, it was legend against legend. Nadal, Djokovic, 59th time they have met. Djokovic leads the series 30-28, but this is clay, and this is Nadal's favorite surface. He won the first set 6-2. There was no shortage of great shots and great points in this match, as you would expect. Djokovic won the second set 6-4. Now Nadal wins the third set. Yep, right at the net. It looked like Djokovic was going to win the fourth set, but Nadal fought all the way back, and this is match point. And Rafa is going to the semifinals and not Novak Djokovic. makes it to the semi. There you go. A lot of talent. What was that my thing? My, my, my sister used to always do that to me. This little piggy went to market? This little yeah, little piggy home? on your foot? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This little piggy went for roast beef? Something like that? And but the other one had none.
1: Where are we going with this? <laughs> I, don't I, don't
18: I, just, I don't know. I know Marcia's getting angry.
1: <laughs> All right. From Vancouver to L.A., a B.C. filmmaker who hasn't forgotten his roots next. Sarah McDonald is standing by now with a look ahead to what's coming up on Global News at 11. Sarah?
9: Yeah, so if we're keeping an eye on Vancouver City Hall tonight, where a vote is expected on the controversial Broadway plan, plus confrontation caught on camera.
12: Why did you do that? This is, that's a poor
9: person's business, you know? You're, like, defacing public
12: property. Why would you do that?
9: New video here, an alleged Chinatown vandal is confronted by a fed-up resident. We'll have the full interaction and video and sports with Squire coming up at 11 o'clock. All right, sounds good.
1: Thanks, Sarah.
2: A Tawasan filmmaker broke into the business with a film about his father in a Japanese internment camp during World War II.
1: The critical acclaim of that film led to more success, and Brendan Ugema is now involved in some of the most popular shows around. Jay Durant catches up with him on This Is BC.
12: Long days on elaborate sets, which is exactly what Brendan Uagama has been working towards ever since he first fell in love with filmmaking as a kid.
10: When I was filming my friends skateboard, snowboard. We'd you know just take a high digital camera and go out and do do things and just film ourselves and have fun.
14: Marker.
12: Henry's glasses was the launching point for Uagama's career, set at a Second World War Japanese internment camp.
10: We're actually filming here on the former grounds of Tasme, the Japanese internment camp.
12: His father was interned as a child and talked openly about his experiences. My name again is
10: Walter Uagama, or Uagama properly. I play the role of Mr. Yamamoto. It just kind of led to this inspiration of trying to to write about it and understand it more and understand my culture a little more and where my family came from and what he went through.
12: The film helped open the door for all kinds of projects. He's been the cinematographer for the Riverdale series. He's worked on a variety of movies like the sci-fi comedy Moonshot, Hey. And the horror film Child's Play. Chucky was voiced by actor Mark Hamill, who Agam is constantly looking to take on different genres.
10: I feel like it'll always make me inspired, you know, because then you can learn new things all the time, and you're not just kind of relying on reflexes.
12: Filmmaking is the family business. Brendan's wife, Nicole, is an actor and director. They share in the rush of being on set.
10: It's stressful. There's never enough time. There's always 100 people kind of trying to figure out how to... Make this one idea come through. Henry's glasses will always be one of the most
12: important works of Uwagama's career. A film that was so well received and taught him the importance of pouring his heart into every project.
10: There's a lot of passion put into making that film. And when people work from passion, the work is better. And it's felt all the way through. And I think the audience will feel it more. The war can't last forever. Jay Durant, Global News.
1: And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
2: Love Brendan's (laughs) point about passion. No one's more passionate about meteorology than Christy Gordon, and especially when we're getting a nice warm-up over the next couple of days, Christy.
15: Oh, the heat today was so nice for a lot of people, and we'll see that again tomorrow. Now, we will see cloud cover in the afternoon, but it should be dry for much of the day. Thursday, or by Wednesday night into Thursday, that's when we're expecting a few showers. Certainly, Friday's looking wet, though, everyone, and cooler. So, enjoy tomorrow. Lots to look forward to, that's for sure. If you like the heat,
2: cannot <laughs> wait.
15: We like a little sunshine,
1: that's for sure.
2: Sure do. Thanks for watching, everyone. Hope you have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
1: Good night, all.